Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello everyone and welcome to the latest edition of the Royal Blue podcast in what has been, I think it's fair to say, a quiet week for Everton. Uh, I'm Adam Jones and I'm joined today by Dave Prentice. How are we, Dave? Very well. A little bit uh, bored, looking for some meaningful football action, but you know, oh, well, got to wait till next week now. This podcast will give you all the energy that you need. Hopefully. <laughs> uh, Sam Carroll is here as well. How are we, Sam? All, all the better for no football actually I feel a million dollars no stress no yeah. heartbreak no that's the positive yeah. yeah so yeah I feel I feel 10 years younger full stomach feel, after I last feel, night's 15 pound chippy well when you get to the front of a chippy after you've queued for 25 minutes if they tell you there's a 15 pound card limit you're gonna you're gonna bulk your order up to 15 pounds and that's right but just to give a shout out though the witness fish fish bar by the Halton Stadium to differ look at that Apart, but sack your card limit off mm. All right, place. free shout-outs for people. I'm a suit. So generous, aren't you? <laughs> and, of course, we're joined by Chris Beasley as well. Chris, how are we? I'm, o- I'm okay, yeah. No chippy for me. <laughs> <laughs> so, obviously, uh, Everton are currently in the middle of quite a large break. It's al- it almost feels like an international break. It's a, a football sabbatical, is what I've been calling it. That's nice. Yeah. Nice way of describing it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, rather large break. 17 days without the game. Uh, between that Watford loss and what will hopefully be a resounding win against Card- <laughs> Cardiff next week. Uh, Preno, is this break a good thing for Everton? I suppose it, it could be. We'll only we'll know the answer to that next Tuesday when we see what kind of performances it has produced at Cardiff. Uh, they were developing a little bit of momentum. What was the uh, statistic? They won back-to-back top-flight games for the first time since the 1960s, which is a bit of a worry, you know, so when they're playing Everton next. Uh, but I think <laughs> the run that Everton have had has been so, so... I don't want to say grim or bleak because the performances haven't been that bad. You know, the Manchester City performance was actually quite promising, but the results have been bleak and grim. So I think maybe taking the players out of the firing line for 17 days was a good thing. It just eases the pressure a little bit. Uh, we were talking before, actually, we were surprised that they haven't gone away on a warm weather training camp. Uh, but I can understand why they didn't do that. I suspect... A, bit of a PR nightmare. Well, exactly, yeah. Marco Silva would probably be laying himself open to accusations of, you know, some mollycoddling footballers who haven't been performing. Why should they be rewarded mm. with a trip away? Sometimes those trips can have a very positive effect. Was it David Moyes raving about uh, one pre-season in America and how it brought the players together and how they started the season so well as a result of that? So you, you don't know, but I think certainly just taking the players out of the firing line for you know so a couple of weeks, you know, so getting to hopefully getting to grips on the training pitch where there's some elements of the team's defending could prove to be a positive. But we'll only find out for sure next Tuesday, you know, mm. so when we finally get back to action again. So the, the last couple of weeks have been quite hectic in terms of Everton games like the schedule's been absolutely packed you'd have to say since the start of December really and obviously you've got the busy festive periods as well do you think maybe fatigue's played some sort of part well I'm, I'm not sure really what it is I think even like as Dave says 
even when performances have seemingly been okay, they still haven't managed to get a result. So whatever it comes down to, it's still not good enough. The games we've lost and the manner we've lost them in still haven't been good enough. And I think it's pretty much time now that we stop searching for excuses. I think at the start of the season, we went to Arsenal's and Manchester United's and we played pretty decent and we still got beat. You know, and then it was a case of, okay, well, we're building, you know, we'll give them these defeats. You know, the Liverpool game, we even said, you know, that that was just purely unfortunate. But now it's got to the point, I think, where fans aren't prepared to keep having the, the wool pulled over their eyes when these these guys, you know, everyone else has got to play the same amount of fixtures in, in that amount of time and, and pull results out the bag, you know. There's no reason why a newly promoted team, no matter how much money they spent in the summer like Wolves, should be beating us at home. There's no reason they should be above us. There's no reason we shouldn't be seventh because we're easily the seventh best squad in the Premier League. So I think it's it's probably time for the... I think it's probably been good for Marco Silva for the talking to stop around his, his situation and, and, and the pressure on him. But then ultimately, once, once the game gets underway against Cardiff, the... I think it, it could potentially be billed as the biggest game of the season because if you get beat by Cardiff and then you come to Goodison from the side to have it, I wouldn't I like to, say, yeah, big, I wouldn't like to be in that season until the derby a few days later. But if, if um, you lose that Cardiff game and then you you, you, you get beat by Liverpool, sure. you can't really justify mm. the manager still having a job and that's almost crazy. But it, it's funny actually, you know, the, the way fans are starting to think at the moment. I mean, uh, I was in Radio Merseyside's offices this morning and bumped into Sean Styles, who's like obviously a big blue. And uh, before I went into the studio, what are we going to do with this manager? I said, well, you've got to give him a chance, haven't you, Sean? You know, he's got, you know, so he's only been in the job six months, but he, you know, thought that you've seen enough already. You know, so he thinks that, you know, uh, Marco Silva just looks like a manager who isn't going to improve, you know, yeah. so from this situation. And Sean's quite, you know, sort of moderate, you know, sort of, you know, decent thinking uh, individual. So, you know, if he's thinking that way, there'd be others that share the same views. I'm not so sure. I think, you know, you can't become a team or a squad that changes, you know, so the manager every six or seven months. You know, every single manager out there will have rocky runs, whether that's at the start of their spells or deep into their spells. You know, it happens to every manager and you have to have the courage of your convictions and ride through them. And uh, I think Farhad Mashiri has to do that, you know, for, for this time being. Even if that includes a defeat at Cardiff and maybe the result that we don't want in the derby match, you've just got to allow the manager opportunity to prove himself but it could be a very, very pivotal period, not just of the season, but in his managerial reign in the next few games. I think the, the thing that summed it up for me was was what you wrote through the debuts when we all done that kind of success mm-hmm. piece on what would justify success now towards the end of the season. And, and the worry for me is that we expected nothing from Silver this season and he's gave us less than nothing. <laughs> and, and, and for me, you know, you, you talk about proven, proven themselves, but... You know, been given nearly 30 games to prove himself. And I know that's still not a very long time in, in the grand scheme of things. But I think, think again, as you've just said there, Prano, that now is the time to prove that he is the man who can stop a rot. If, if you said, what, what was the phrase there? You know, so he's given us less than nothing. I think that's a bit harsh because if you look back to... I think that was my, my quote, not, yeah. not Peter's. Brinkley's <laughs> <laughs> in a minute, but if, if you look yeah, we'll up, get to you. Up, up to the Anfield derby, there were clear signs of, you know, sort of a pattern developing, you know, sort of progress. Uh, I think people were uniformly happy with the quality of the signings that are being brought in. You know, we were all in love with Gomez at the time, even though, you know, his form has dipped and he could be an issue with, uh, with fatigue, you know, so not Definitely. used to the, you know, sort of intensity of the Premier League. Uh, but up until that moment, I think, you know, people were quite optimistic. You know, the performance at Anfield was so progressive and was so, you know, so 
different to you know the the result that we ground out there. You know, so last season under a different manager, and it seems to have like fallen off a cliff since then. So if it had been a campaign with absolutely no. Um, you know, shining lights, absolutely nothing of any positivity. You could, you know, say that yes, you know, so you know, understand why the fans are getting so, you know, so angry and so disappointed with Silver. But it hasn't, you know. So the, there were some positive moments up until that, you know, that that point. It's up to Silver to rediscover that positivity now and try and, you know, so find, you know, if you like the magic formula that he appeared to have, you know, so pre Christmas time. So sorry, Bezo, you've been waiting a long time to come in here. He hasn't said nothing, but I've managed to also misquote him as well. <laughs> you, you've said less than nothing, Bezo. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think there has to be an improvement, doesn't there, between now and the end of the season, like uh, we've both you've both said already. Um, first few months of the season, there was lots of uh, signs of in- encouragement that um, things were getting better under Marco Silva, although, albeit not necessarily always with the results, particularly at the big teams, but they've only got the one point at Chelsea from those. But encouraging performances, but like I said, since the derby, it, it has fallen off a cliff. And the, and the fear is that he's got these better players. There are better, he brought in better players between himself and Marcel Brands last summer, a more talented squad than last season, but they're actually doing worse. Um, they're actually, unless they improve, obviously, in the next couple of months, they're on schedule to finish with fewer points than they even got last season. So from going in a position where he was given this free pass, as it were, season of... Um, change and uh, to bed things in to actually get to this situation it, it's it's pretty poor going so an improvement is needed in the, the weeks ahead mm. so lads if you put yourself in the shoes of Marco Silva going into this uh, little break between games how would you be using it would you just be trying to drill in what you've been trying to drill into the players for the rest of the uh, the previous few months of the season uh, something that he knows can work over our form in uh, the likes of October and November or would you be using this time to maybe try and change up your style a little bit, maybe introduce a different formation, a different way to get these players maybe performing a little bit better? I think, you know, as Sam mentioned earlier, the game of Cardiff is so important now. I think he needs to have put all his attentions and his focus on that. And that includes picking a team that you know, you know, so is your favourite starting eleven. Because at the moment, we're still not sure what his best eleven is. He's not changed massively. I mean, in recent weeks he has, and that was a criticism, you know, certainly up till, you know, so January time that we were seeing the same 11, you know, in the same formation and the same system week after week and expecting to see something different. And, you know, so routinely we weren't seeing something different. So I think, you know, he needs to identify, you know, 11 players that he is confident will be successful at Cardiff and just work with them on the training pitch. I mean, I know people throw the set-piece situation, you know, so out there against it. He's got to start working on that. From everything we hear, they are working on that, you know, so the players are told before every single game how the opposition are going to set up at set-pieces, how they're going to, you know, so attack Everton from set pieces and every individual is given their own responsibilities. Uh, I think corners, they do use the zonal marking system that, you know, is so, you know, so lacking in popularity. Free kicks, which seems to be more of an issue, free kicks from wide areas rather than corners. They use a hybrid of, you know, sort of man marking and zonal and, you know, the players who are told to man mark are given responsibilities in that and clearly different individuals are not fulfilling those responsibilities. So, 
I think he needs to, you know, to look at that and work on that and just basically produce a team that is capable of going to Cardiff and winning a game. It's not going to be easy because, you know, I can say Cardiff have had a little bit of an upturn in form recently, but come on, this is Cardiff, a team that's struggling in the bottom, you know, so three of the table. And, you know, so Everton should be going there confident in winning. So I think that's what he should have been doing on the training pitch, you know, so, you know, rather, rather than anything else, focus on that game and produce a team capable of winning it. Mm. What do you reckon, lads? Do you agree with Prenner? I don't know how much he can shake it up anyway. I know um, when Gav Buckland was on the podcast, he had a few radical ideas of um, Michael Keane at full-back. Or Gilby Sigerson at centre-forward. What? He said Michael Keane at full-back. Michael Keane as a right-back and Gilfie Singers at, at centre-forward. Just to, to, I think to, to mix things up because things weren't working. I can't, <laughs> I can't um, speak for Gav when he's, he's not here. But yeah, because they seem as such radical... Um, schemes I don't know if they're necessarily going to work as Dave says you want something a bit more tried and trusted going to Cardiff you want to know what players in roles that they're comfortable in and they know what they're, they're doing so I don't know other than change things around at centre forward where Rashalison's been there sometimes because Tosin and Calvert-Lewin just haven't been consistent enough or there's a few different options on the wing where he's um, mixed and matched even within a game like Luckman and um, Bernard switching wings I mean there's not a great deal that realistically could probably do. Mm. Gav Buckland's definitely your mate who gets relegated with Real Madrid on footy managers <laughs> and shouts like that. <laughs> Absolutely. The, that, that Michael Keane the fullback shout is the worst shout I've ever heard, just, to, <laughs> just in case you're listening, Gav. Um, but, again, yeah, it's, it's a difficult one. You, you don't really know. You'd like to think they have done. I mean, as Dave said, you don't want to put too much on her. I know Silver said he's not going to speak about her in public again, but... You know, if we if we lose to a last minute corner or free kick at Cardiff, God, well, God Car- help Cardiff us. are gonna well, absolutely try and hone in on those set pieces, aren't they? Because it's why wouldn't you? Like yeah. at the end, of, like no, no offense, but it is a Neil Warnock team fighting but relegation. Another big, like another that's big thing though, as well as that. You know, not just conceding from them; it's stop giving them away. You know, I remember the Millwall game; it was yeah. just like felt like running yeah. on the pitch and just saying to Dean, "Stop fouling people! Stop mm. giving them the chances." With the same against Lincoln, it was like. The only opportunities to have them were coming from set pieces, but they just seemed intent on fouling people near the edge of the box, giving corners away, giving throw-ins away. You know, so, so there's just... It does. It needs to go back to basics, and I think the most disappointing thing about the last few months has been at the start of the season, in terms of our off-the-ball work and our pressing, you know, you could see something there, you know, in the mm-hmm. derby, you know, Liverpool, under Jürgen Klopp, being probably one of the best pressing teams in, in Europe, and I, and I thought we matched them in our off-the-ball work. And the worry is, is that, you know, you've seen it with Koeman, you know, remember that first game in Spurs and you were like, okay, he's got an idea and he, he lost that identity towards the end. You know, Martinez's kind of pass and move philosophy, he lost that towards the end, things were very static. And again, now with Sylvie, you know, these ideas that seemingly were working at the start have, have, have gone stale, you know, and, and you wonder why why is that a pattern that's happening with Everton that you, you, you don't seemingly see elsewhere so hopefully it, it, it's been a period for, for the team to regroup you know for, for everyone to get things off the chest you know you, you'd imagine certain players have got certain things that they, they, they want saying but you know I think now <clears throat> it is it is a case of Everton, Everton are a better team than Cardiff and like they did the Huddersfield you know whether it's not a glamorous performance just get the three points and get the fans going into the derby 
It's funny what you said there about the players, you know, sort of getting things off the chest. And you'd hope that would be the case, but I'm not so who, sure. Who that is in there, exactly. I'm something. not so sure that group of players has characters like that in there. Um, I remember we did a pod a while ago with Peter Reid, and he was talking about uh, the players actively going into the dressing room and having fights with each other. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, he, he said that, you know, so the very, very big characters in that squad in the 80s, you know, at least half a dozen players there that, would, that were leaders that would go in there and, you know, sort of make their, you know, sort of views widely known you look at the squad now and you take out the fact that Phil Jagielka the club captain hasn't been involved you know so he's not been in the dressing room Seamus Coleman clearly is a player that will probably make his views known in the dressing room but beyond that you can't really see any real vocal characters any players that are going to go in there and start you know shouting the odds and saying yeah. look you're not doing this you're not doing that yeah and you do need that successful squads you know so do have characters that are prepared to take each other on and confront each other and demand better from each other and you know whether that's something that can be addressed in the short term I doubt I think that's a, that, <clears throat> it's frustrating isn't it you know I think there's only a handful of players that went over to the away end at the, at the Wofford game and, and that should come from the manager he should be sending them over exactly there. you know and, and I find that I find that embarrassing that the, the, the players don't go over when you know fans who obviously earn 1% if that of what, yeah. of what they make you know, and, and they're spending on a not just your ticket, you travel your day out to London, mm. and and you don't even have the bottle to go over. And you know, if you get mm. stick, you get stick. You, yeah. you, you deserve it if you if you get stick. So, you know, as you're saying, there's there's a real lack of character. And you know, I know we've been speaking about it in here the last few weeks. You know, looking back at that David Moyes thing and and B's your article yesterday about why that kind of feeling has grown in the fan base of of looking back on that. And I think it was a very good point you made that. You know, Evertonians traditionally not not a sacking club. You know, now just harken for some stability. But I think, you know, Moyes had a real team of popular players. You know, players who were likable in terms of their football and personality, and had a really good report with the crowd. And at the moment, there's, there's not many people that I'd say Evertonians love or have a specific affection for. Mm. I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a tough time going about that piece. As we obviously we mentioned, there, we don't think at all. There's not a great clamour to have Moyes back and all the pressure which is coming on Silvers from outside the club. So there isn't actually, um, we're not expecting any sort of change in the dugouts um, anytime soon. But yeah, this, this feeling of, like I said, looking back to a, a period, not just of more of more stability, but um, of, of players who, who, who were up for the fight, who, who were up for the scrap, um, real personalities within the squad. And I suppose the, the game has changed since then but it's almost like Everton have stumbled across a, a billionaire at the time when everyone else is rich as well and you, you can't just also with financial fair play you can't buy your way to success the way that both City and Chelsea have done in the, in, in the recent past and Everton's success is going to have to be based on good management and you just yeah. wonder you know have the appointments they've, they've made in recent years um, been the right ones certainly um, up to now there's a big question mark I would say the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I think while we're on the subject of these players, uh, it was interesting to read Michael Ball's column a bit earlier in the week. Obviously, we've got to the point now where Everton are unfortunately not got much to play for from now until the end of the season. But he seems to think that obviously there's a lot of play. That, well, there's a few players in this squad who you don't want to lose in the summer. But he says every player in the current squad should be told that they're playing for their futures at Everton. I just want, wanted to know whether you lads agree with that. 
Um, it's quite a bold statement. Uh, and, but yeah, you will learn more about players' characters. Um, you know, so if you were to throw it down an ultimatum like that, um, you get the impression that Marcus has already made his mind up on a, a number of players. You, know, you see some of the players that have been you know, sort of bombed out of the squad and that haven't been featuring you know, very often. I'm thinking of the likes of Morgan Schneidlin, maybe Cenk Tosin. Uh, I don't think they've got like, you know, sort of long-term futures. But the, the other players who are getting selected still have still got plenty to prove. Uh, it, it's, it's a big few, two or three months for a number of individuals in that squad. And yeah, there's nothing to play for actually out on the pitch. Um, I suppose depending on who wins the FA Cup, there's a very outside chance of a you know a place in Europe. But the way they're performing at the moment, you know, so you can't see that you know so coming to fruition. So it is up to players to you know so prove that they have got a long-term future at the club. Um, how they do that, it's just got to be you know so individual performances, and it's it's just been so frustrating, you know. So it's been a a very very flat season, very very quickly. And uh, it's it's like the treading water at the moment, and you just want a spark from somewhere. I can't think of a single performance this season that you know has really gripped the imagination and made you think, "Great, yeah, you know that that's the kind of Everton performance we want to see." Even, and, you know, even the five-one against Burnley, like it took the lead, three-nil yeah. lead within about twenty minutes, and then Burnley got that goal back. And then they missed that one early in the second half, and you're thinking, oh, yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> oh, no. So you, you need to see, you know, so a, a show of character, you know, a show of something that you know so points towards a positive future. I mean, you know, so Everton, the official club accounts is uh, tweeting out these uh, these video clips of. Um, recent matches, you know, on this day type matches uh, to try and like sort of fill the void in between games at the moment. And today's was the three-one win against uh, Man United, uh, where you know Billy Aletinoff scored that, you know, so absolute long-range Howitzer and Dan Gosling and Jack Rodwell scored. It was you know young players with a little bit of hunger, a little bit of appetite. I don't know their careers both went in like sort of you know strange directions, but at the time you saw a squad that had a little bit of hunger and had a little bit of desire. Yeah. Um, and you're not really seeing that at the moment. So desire is the thing you want to see. You just want to see the players going out there on Tuesday with a bit of character and wanting to get a result and really getting about Cardiff and having a fight. Mm. Uh, and then obviously it goes without saying that's what you want to see in a derby match a few days later. But we haven't seen that at all yet this season. You know, and it, it, we need to see it. You know, so sooner rather than later. I think, uh, as you said there as well, and it's disappointing there. You know, it's not just this season we haven't seen one of those performances. I think Manchester City when we beat them four 0 was last time we seen one of those type performances where you said Probably, that had yeah. everything yeah. in terms of commitment, desire and, and quality as well, which you know we all want to see. And, and obviously as well, the last time we beat a team of the so-called big six. So, you know, it's, it's worrying, isn't it? That they are just kind of, as you said, just taking defeat lying down. And I think there's just a sense that we just stumble across these points and the season had come and we go again in the summer. And, and football, football bites you on the on the backside all too often because another couple of defeats and all of a sudden you're kind of then looking over your shoulder mm. the wrong way which is which is not where we thought we'd want to be at this stage I think everyone kind of thought we'd be at least guaranteed top half and, and it's not getting enough of the, out of those players to, to to give that commitment on the pitch and, and as you said I think it does here you know we often come <coughs> in don't we and we say oh remember this on this day 10 years ago or you know and, and things like that so you know at the moment, you just you're just thinking in a couple of years. I think we'll have just blacked out the 2016 <laughs> to 2019 from our memories. Yeah, I mean, and also you've got a problem. You're saying players playing for the future. I mean, look at uh, I know the both of you two, Sam and Adam, are doing a series on the, the loan players at the moment. Mm-hmm. There's about 19 players out on loan, so you can't even 
give somebody an ultimatum and say you're playing for your future because you can't get shot of these players. You know, <laughs> they're all on big wages and it's easier said than done. Try and get them off the books. Mm. Jan and Balassi came back and they only managed to get him back out the door at the last minute again. It's a concern. You've got all these players on hefty wages and you're either going to have to take massive, massive losses on them. Oh, just, um, but he's just getting choked up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I've got all the figures in front of me at the moment. But yeah. no, to be honest, I mean, it, yeah. it, football has come full circle uh, in recent years. And this, going back a long time now, but, you know, so football clubs had all the uh, the power over players, you know, so basically whatever they you know said happened. Nowadays, it's come completely the other way, whereas players rule the roost totally. Uh, you look at just the, the examples of what's happening at Chelsea at the moment, what happened at Manchester United, where, you know, players clearly, you know, sort of weren't happy with Jose Mourinho and effectively, you know, sort of played to get the guy the sack. Uh, and then suddenly they look like a team transformed. Now they've got a manager in situ there that they actually seem to quite like. You know, so players do have, you know, so sort of so much power and, and authority now. Um, the players at Everton have got on loan, you know, exactly a case in point, you know, so they know they're going to get their uh, wages regardless. Uh, you know, so even in Yannick Balassi's you know, case, he didn't actually enjoy being at Aston Villa, so, you know, so chose to come back. It's just, you know, so how can you dictate, you know, so you know, what's going on in your career like that? Surely you should be performing to a level which earns you, you know, so yeah. a place to play at a particular football club. But, you know, so players do have that kind of power now, which underlines once again where you've got to get players with the right kind of character into your football club. And that's why it's so uh, important as much as quality. Um, we, we talked earlier about David Moyes and, you know, that was part of his mindset when he was recruiting players. And I know he made mistakes, you know, so not that many, but, you know, he did make, you know, sort of errors in the transfer market. But he was quite meticulous in the way, you know, so he scouted players in terms of, Character as well as a Did, bo- dithering uh, Dave, wasn't he? Well, yeah, because yeah. that, that was you know he was accused of because he wouldn't make a decision on a player until he'd absolutely you know so sort of explored every facet of his personality and his character and his background, and it's not coincidence that he ended up you know so sort of with so many characters you know like your Tim Cahill's and you know so sort of play, players that were prepared to you know so sort of fight for the cause because they were the kind of characters you know he wanted. He knew he didn't have a huge amount of money to play with, so he couldn't afford to make too many mistakes. Uh, so you know he would explore everything. I think whether we're going to those levels of exploration for players that we bring in, I don't know. Uh, but, you know, character is such an important part of a footballer's makeup nowadays. And we haven't got enough of it at Everton at the moment. Mm. And as the lads have already mentioned there, me and Sam have embarked on quite quite the series at the minute. We've started yesterday, carried on through to today, uh, looking at a selection of Everton's lone players at the minute. Started with two very different cases, I have to say. Uh, Kevin Morales was our first one yesterday and it's quite fair to say he's not exactly pulling up trees at Valencia uh, Valencia Fiorentina <laughs> sorry uh, Shani Tarashai is today's one and it seems like Evans' forgotten man has got to rebuild from the bottom almost from his time at uh, Grasshopper Zurich and you know the club have got a lot of players out on loan at the minute for you know very differing reasons is there any particular one that you're most excited to see back at Everton next season? Um, I wouldn't say excited, but the one I always had, you know, so reasonably high expectations for was Nikola Vlasic. Um, and he's absolutely, you know, so he is tearing up trees, you know, so I was in Moscow at the moment. He's um, won their Player of the Month award, I think, on two occasions, certainly maybe even more than that, you know, so scored goals in the Champions League. And he, he looked like he's a player who had ability, you know, so he had something to offer. And he's very, very young as well. Um, he seemed to have that desire and that willingness to succeed 
Um, it wasn't a uniformly held view at the club. I know where when David Unsworth came in as uh, as caretaker manager, didn't appear to fancy him, and like sort of bombed him out. And um, you know, so Marco Silva has watched him, and you know, so allowed him to go on loan. So you know, therefore, maybe made a, a fairly quick decision. But we know that they are keeping very, very close tabs on these players. Um, you know, so Marcel Brands was talking to Phil Kirkbride last week about it on Yukuru and how many times they've watched him this season, um, you know, in the flesh and on, you know, sort of tape. So they actually are keeping tabs on these players. So if Lasic does have something to offer, they will clearly be aware of it and would you know, be prepared to bring him back. But he's the one that, you know, so I'd, I'd quite like to see, you know, so given a little bit of a run. I didn't see anything to suggest that, you know, we should be giving up on him just yet. You know, mm. So a player I quite like the look of. Beast, do you agree? Vlasic is yeah, the he's certainly been one. a pick of the bunch for mm. me. I think too many of the other ones um, have had that have had their time. Yeah, it's a strange signing, really, because it's almost like well, they, they, they saw him playing against Everton <laughs> in the Europa League. Um, quite, I mean, with Steve Walsh, that wouldn't surprise yeah. you. Yeah. I mean, Howard Kendall always used to make the joke, didn't he, about um, Everton scouting Alan Ball in the World Cup yeah. final. So, oh, he's got man of the match in the World Cup final. We'll pay a record fee for him. But um, yeah, Vlasic. Um, Came in, he, he, you know, he, he looked like he, he had something to offer, but like um, Dave's just said, uh, both um, under David Unsworth and um, Sam Aldice last season really fell out of favour and um, Silva had a quick look at him and they, they sent him out to to Russia. But yeah, he's, 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 he's certainly, given his age and what he's done in the Champions League this season, he'd, he'd probably be um, the main one for me amongst that, mm. that group of players. Well, I'll move on to Sam now, and I bet you I know who he's going to say. <laughs> well, I can't, can't pick, can't pick Matty Pennington, can I? <laughs> he's, a, he's a family relation. <laughs> but uh, no, I think I think Vlasic goes along the uh, the lines as well of like I think he's a bit of a character who Everton fans could take to. You know, he's clearly got a lot of self confidence about him. You know, I think you know he's someone who believes he, he he should probably be playing in Everton's team as well. And the way we're playing, probably wouldn't be too far wrong I still think there's a few question marks over where he actually plays I think he seems to be naturally more suited to the middle but we utilised them out wide but from what I seen of him last season I was always quite surprised that he didn't make more match day squads I think Vlasic and Onyekuru are definitely the two uh, quite exciting ones I like the looks of Anthony Robinson every time I've seen him play for the uh, for the under 23s I think he, he could be the perfect deputy for Lucas Dean should should Leighton Baines choose to, to, to end his career elsewhere uh, Marco Silva clearly a fan of Joe Williams mm. I know Phil spoke to Marco about Joe and he seems to, to rate him as well who could add maybe a little bit of steel to that midfield certainly something we've been missing and then you know you do have your likes of Garbutt and Beningamies and, and Pennington who are, who are trying to to show what, why they should either be given an opportunity at Everton or, or elsewhere and you know it's as we're finding as we look into it it's quite interesting to see you know you see maybe them score and the name pops up on Soccer Saturday or mm. you see maybe a little tweeted goal about them or a fact but you know you don't actually see them play week in week out and and, and see what you know the fans and the people who, who watch them every week are thinking about them so it's been quite interesting and I think you know you do see that the, the, the loans this season you know it's the ups and downs of the loan system some lads go out there and impress like Vlasic and, and some of the lads struggle so yeah, I, th- I think there's three or four lads who could definitely still have a future in a, in a Royal Blue shirt. Mm. I think one name I'd like to throw into the mix who's going to be one of our pieces a bit later this week or maybe next week will be Mason Holgate. I think there was a bit of surprise that he was even let out on loan in January. Uh, he's been very much impressive for West Brom as a right-back. Uh, 
do you think Everton should have perhaps kept hold of him? It's, it's, it's a weird one, Mason Holgate, because uh, he falls into the same camp that you know, so sort of Brendan Galloway did. Who's another player that I thought you know, so sort of appeared to have a very, very promising future. Um, Holgate strangely formed Everton's most efficient central defensive partnership last season, based on the number of goals conceded per game with. Ashley Williams. Ashley Williams. <laughs> it was a, an, an unusual double act, but you know maybe that underlines you know so how poor Everton were defensively last season that those two should shine. Uh, but yeah, he did look like you know so a very promising young central defender. You know he played in a number of big games. You know attracted the wrong kind of attention for the performance in the Anfield derby, but you know so certainly looked like he was a, a coming talent. Uh, but again, it was a player that appeared to be have a decision made on him very very quickly. Um, again, you know, he's only playing down the road at West Brom, so, you know, so Everton will be aware of his performances. And right back's an interesting one because I know he personally believes that centre back is his best position. But, you know, right back is an area where Everton have needed reinforcement this season. I mean, Seamus Coleman's not had a great season. John Joe Kenny's come in, you know, so, you know, so had an opportunity because of that. Maybe Mason Holgate will be thinking, I could have had that opportunity. You know, I should have been playing rather than John Joe Kenny. Uh, we don't know. Uh, but yeah, he's another player that, you know, certainly want to look at again, I think. Certainly not one to discount totally and say, yeah, that's it. And, you know, his career is you know, destined for the championship because he possibly is a little bit better than those. Mm. Seen some West Brom fans tweeting the other day saying we'll cut the best right back in the championship and, you know, it's quite interesting to think that Holgate could provide the the answer in that position where, where we're looking for someone. Certainly made that assist last night, which we were watching on Twitter earlier. Really looked quite impressive. But, mm. you know, I, I'd always thought he, he looked better at centre-half when I'd, when I'd seen him play. But uh, another interesting option, really. Mm. Well, Everton have got a few problems at centre-back. Uh, has a few injuries. Kurt Zuma's obviously injured. We've already talked about the problems at right-back. Bees, do you think if... Holgate had stayed in January being the team right now. Yes, yeah, certainly he would would have had, had a chance. I think the problem was because of the first half of the season he did find those opportunities limited. So probably that's what shaped the decision to to send him out there. But yeah, you know, I mean, a couple of injuries, a suspension or whatever, and then you, you, you straight back in uh, the thick of things. I was surprised in a little way because I thought maybe he would have stuck around, sort of learn what um, life under Marco Silva's like with a, a view maybe for, for next season as well because obviously there's no guarantee. They can get the Kurt Zuma deal done. I know um, Phil's done a piece this morning saying that they, you know they are going to really try for that one, but you know you you don't know um, how that one's going to pan out. So I was a bit surprised that he, he went out, and yet it maybe he could have had a chance. But I I imagine at this stage you, you mentioned the, the assist there, that would be the area if he's playing right back. He needs to offer a bit more going forward the way that the, the modern fullbacks are now. I think he, he seems more naturally suited to the defensive attributes in the role. But, I mean, he's still young enough to keep developing in that respect. Mm-hmm. And just to finish off, uh, while the first team have been out of action for the last uh, few days, uh, Everton's youth side still have been in action. And, Sam, you were in witness yesterday to watch one well, such Everton youth side. Uh, 15 pound de- chippy. Yeah. How did they get on? Uh, they got beat 3-2. Uh, they went 3-0 down. They were, to be honest, it was a completely physical mismatch witness in the uh, the Evo stick West, which is seven steps below the Premier League, but obviously, you know, these fellas have, have been around the block, you know, most being at academies themselves, coming through the ranks and, and had good good careers, big fellas. Was it Witness Vikings? Well, it, 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 was, it was at Witness Vikings, yeah. which, which was a, a top non-league stadium. And, uh, you know, some of the... Rafa Garcia, uh, the goalkeeper, Barrett, you know, really looked, just looked tiny out there. But 
you know, credit to them. They went 3-0 down and uh, a few people were starting to comment saying, you know, it was going to get quite rough for them because I think it was still half an hour to go. They got a penalty. Uh, they had a little Morales-Lukaku dispute over who should take the penalty, but they did score at this time and then they scored another one with a, a couple of minutes later. So, you know, it set up a bit of a fanfare finish, almost equalised with a free kick. So, you know, it seems like there's some good characters coming through there. A couple of uh, impressive performances. I thought Michael Collins, he was on the bench against the Pollen Limassol last season for the first team. He played really well. He was the captain at centre-back. Uh, there was Rafa Garcia, the young the young Spaniard that we signed from Fulham, looked quite lively. So, you know, like when you get down to the under, under-18s and the under-23 games, you always spot a couple of players and it's, it's nice to follow their progression through. So hopefully mm. we'll be seeing a little bit more of them in David Undwirt's team in the next few years. And yeah, whenever you can get down to the under-18s or the under-23 games at Southport or, or Witness should always try and get down because it's always it's always a good watch and it's always a lively atmosphere. I, I saw the uh, the highlights of the Ed in the 23 game against Blackburn was it uh, yeah. a couple of days ago. Sambu scored a screamer. Oh, Sambu scored goal. an absolute screamer. Uh, Andy Gordon scored another one but the guy that really jumped out for me on the brief highlights they showed was the goalkeeper Matty Hult is it? Yeah, yeah it was, uh, he made some absolutely blinding you know, instinctive well, stops. Said after it was the best he'd ever seen him play. Really? Uh, yeah. So yeah, you know, again, you know, so a young goalkeeper who's not going to get much, you know, first team exposure yeah. in the near future, but you know, it looks promising. Mm-hmm. All right, lads. Well, thank you for joining me. That's all we've got time for today. Just want to mention before we finish that next week, of course, we will be hosting our first ever Royal Blue live event down at the Baltic Market. We'll have a Q and A session with Phil Kirkbride, Greg O'Keefe, Michael Ball, and Alan Myers. Uh, Preno, you're putting together a nice little <laughs> quiz for them, aren't you? Yeah, it's it's pretty much done to be honest, and it's uh, I'm, I'm quite pleased with it. I think uh, people Come, are turning up on the night. I mean, I say a nice little yeah. quiz. I think it might be harder than my Ronald Koeman quiz that no, I've got no, no, quite yeah. a bit of stick it's, for. Uh, the, 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 there's plenty of questions in there. People will get right. There's plenty of challenging ones, and there's plenty that people will be able to take down the pub afterwards and say, "Try this." One, <laughs> Is it like an ABCD quiz or no? It's uh, oh, a number. No. It's a number of straightforward questions. There's a picture element to it as well. Can you name these players? There's a quick fire round. Uh, you know, so who scored more, who made more appearances, that kind of thing. It's uh, lots and lots of different elements to do it. We, do we get a tea, an exclusive teaser question, or do you have to buy well, I mean, your tickets? I've, I've, I've submitted one question which I asked you yesterday, and you got wrong. So shall, I, shall, I, shall I say my question? Tease them on. with my question. Yeah. How many Everton players scored a hat trick against ATV Erdning? in the pre-season game this summer. And tweet, 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 your tweet your answers tweet in. Your answers Don't Google it. At, at, at Preno. <laughs> <laughs> we'll let Preno deal with the... F- and Preno has just, just told me through winking that he'll buy you a free pint if you get it right. Oh, I'll buy you a free pint. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bear in mind that the £5 admission price next week does also include does. a drink. Yeah, yeah. I was so going to say, a... Wednesday the 27th of February, yeah. £5 a ticket. Tickets are still avail- uh, available on Eventbrite. Yeah. £5 gets you a free pint as well. What could be What could be nicer? So, well, Provided things go well the previous night, it should be, <laughs> it should be a good night. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank, as I say, thank you, lads for joining me and we'll be back later in the week with another edition of the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.